0: The new year is coming. Let's all make smarter decisions for ourselves and our businesses in 2020. Join the millions who already turn to TransferWise when they're looking for a cheaper, faster way to send money internationally. TransferWise has an awesome website comparison tool that makes sure you're getting the best price. By simply clicking compare price on the homepage, you'll instantly be able to see if TransferWise is the cheapest option for your transfer. If it isn't, they'll make sure to tell you what actually is. Their honesty really makes them stand out. You can always get connected with a real-life person that will treat you with respect if you need help or if you have questions, and they actually listen to customer feedback. When customers said they wished they could convert between different currencies on their own, TransferWise spent a long time developing their multi-currency account. It lets you hold up to 40 different currencies, and you can convert between them whenever you like. Over 5 million people are already saving with TransferWise. You could be next. Test them out for free at transferwise.com slash yoga or download the app. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I feel like I have literally been through some sort of mega life journey since the last time I I recorded this show. One week ago, exactly to the date, I sat down and recorded last week's show and I was sharing, uh, I was listening to it again today, just at the beginning and I guess <laughs> I couldn't remember what I spoke about last week and uh, I had a fever. I was sharing that I kind of felt pretty good being sick, that I was feeling really run down and tired, but it, that it felt like a good thing. Well, saying that came back to bite me in the ass immediately, because <laughs> what I thought was kind of the end of some sort of illness, like a cold, literally recording last week, that was just the beginning. And I was hit with the flu from hell. I I have I have no better way to describe it. I don't know if I've ever been this sick. And I, and I, and I say that, I don't say that lightly. It's very rare. I I don't, I can't really remember any time in my life where I've been so sick, so out of it, completely knocked out that I haven't been able to stand up. I, I, that, that just never really, really happens to me. And I, I'm just, smiling at it now because it was really like, uh, like I was asking for it in the, in the last episode of this show. And I was saying, oh, I feel so good being sick. And I can actually, I can feel like it's purposeful or like I can actually let go in this illness. Well, yeah, I take all of that back. <laughs> take it back immediately. It was wow, wow, wow. I realized it's it's the first time I've ever had the actual flu influenza, which sounds uh, sounds much worse if you say it all the way out loud like that but yeah I had a 104 or yeah almost 40 degree fever that just wouldn't go down. It was so, so, so high. And then that kind of bone breaking feeling where it just, every, it feels like your bones, your joints, everything is just aching, almost like they're about to snap in half. And I've been shivering and sweating and freezing and, you know, on and off. It's been, it's been crazy. There were moments where I just told Dennis, like, I don't think I'm going to make it. It's just because it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And when day five rolled around, I just, Felt like I have to accept now, this is my new life. Like I'm gonna just, (laughs) five long full days without the fever dropping. Dennis sort of escaped to our guest bedroom. So (laughs) we haven't slept next to each other for almost a week because he was so terrified of getting the flu and I was scared that the baby was gonna get it. But I got to knock on some wood. (laughs) It's officially been an entire week. Today I woke up feeling way better. I mean, it's it's night and day. I'm still not 100% great, but it's definitely night and day. And the flu that was just lasting forever, I think it's 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 leaving my system now. So I take back what I said last week about feeling good being sick. Didn't feel good at all, but I'm hoping that whatever had to leave my system, it's really on its way out now. There've been some uh, some interesting learnings for me being this kind of sick or this kind of ill. And of course, this year, it's been like the theme of this stupid show. <laughs> Not that it's a stupid show, but it's like this goddamn theme of this show this year has been burnout and that I've been sick on and off and all the struggles and challenges that have come from that. And I feel like so many people are resonating. I had a, an amazing person who sent in a question for the show or the podcast I did with Deborah Silverman on astrology a couple weeks ago. And I just, this question just stuck with me because I I so agree and I feel the intensity of this question. He or she asked, why was 2019 such a dumpster fire? (laughs) And I don't know who agrees, but for me, 2019 has had some highs, you know, had some good points, had some fun moments, had some, you know, great things with my family, you know, released a book, did a lot of fun stuff, but... That, that's The fun things have generally been an intermission for all the dumpster firing that's been happening you know, all through the year. It's been thing after thing of just, man. <laughs> and uh, that the theme of, you know, being ill or being sick or being forced to slow down, which I know is something that a lot of you can resonate with also, when we want to go, 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 and we have a long list of things to get done, and, you know, we have work and kids and life and, oh, you know, it's so much. And then the body slowing us down. I think it's so interesting because that's been my thing this whole year is that I've been wanting to continue, but I haven't been able to. So It's almost been like my body has forced me to get to that place that I've been trying to get to in my mind, this idea of slowing down or giving myself more space or working less, you know, eventually the body just lets you know. And what I really realized during this flu that I had is that all the times where I've been sick this year, I have still been functioning, right? I have still been, you know, I've been ill, but I've been leading a retreat. I've been sick and I've led a teacher training. I've been, uh, yeah, feeling like crap and been on tour or, you know, I've continued to work. And even in those hard, really, really low moments of being really sick throughout this year when I've had colds and sinus stuff and headaches. I've still been working, right? I've still been like doing my emails and taking meetings and, uh, you know, sitting with my team and creating whatever things I'm still, you know, working on and creating. I mean, I I designed a line of jewelry this year. Like that sort of happened on the side of everything. It's just, I'm thinking of and looking back at all the things that actually were created, And the work I actually did get done while telling myself the story of I haven't been able to work, I haven't been able to work. And then I've I've still, I've still done so much, you know, and I was looking back at that just now coming out of this flu, realizing that, man, oh, man, (laughs) how I have not slowed down. And how, (laughs) how, you know, being ill on and off this entire year, if anything, it's, it's forced me to look at the speed at which I'm moving and look at how I'm working and look at, you know, it's brought a lot of awareness around how I live my life, but it hasn't actually changed a whole lot. And I could see that really black and white with this flu because it knocked me out. I mean, we're talking vertigo. I was, cra- you know, I couldn't stand up. Could barely hold my phone, you know, I sent sent zero emails, took zero meetings, did nothing in terms of of being productive because I literally I couldn't for the first three days I couldn't watch Netflix. I couldn't focus my eyes on one specific point. You know, it was just, it was really unbelievable. I've never, I don't think I've ever been this sick that I couldn't even watch, you know, a show or a movie just to 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 you know focus my attention on something. I couldn't. I was just half sleeping, half dazed off on the couch, just kind of like wanting to die. I couldn't, oh, it was terrible and couldn't engage with the baby. And it was just, I was just in this cocoon. So coming out of that now, I'm like, okay, well, that was being sick, not working, right? Unable to work. Everything else that I've done all year, telling myself like, oh, the story of I I can't get all my things done. And this is so hard. It's like not really entirely true. I think what's really fascinating, and when it becomes really fascinating, this whole conversation around why are we all working so fucking hard all the time? And I know I'm not alone in this at all. If anything, since I started sharing that I'm on the verge of a burnout, or maybe I had a burnout, or I'm kind of scared to say those words, to state them clearly, like I burnt out, because it feels feels very final, you know, then it's, it's like I'm giving myself a diagnosis which I, I don't like. But I'm definitely in that area or have been in that general area. And since I started sharing that, the response I have received from so many of you, especially women who feel the same, is, is it's really making me think that... There's something happening, not just individually in each of us. And of course, we resonate with each other and we feel similar things and we have similar experiences. And that's how we're united in, in this specific community. But also in the greater scale of just society, how we raise little girls to become young women and we raise <laughs> kids in the society or, or girls, young women, to, with this idea that we have to do everything right I and I and I can really see that I think especially with this idea of, of 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 a career of being successful you know of course as as women today we can choose exactly what we want to do we can make whatever dream we have come true you know and I think there's been a lot of focus on that over the past couple of decades it's just like especially our generation now you know we don't have to stay home and watch the kids you know maybe because our moms did that or our parents Mom's moms did that, you know, go out there, make your dream come true, like, you know, be successful, whatever that means. Study, you know, work really hard, go for your career. And then if you want to have kids, yeah, you do that too. Right, have kids also. It's like you don't choose; you do all the things. <laughs> so you go to school, and then you have student debt, and then you gotta work. But then you want to have a baby, and then you have a baby, and you you know you meet a guy, and you build a family, and then you build a home, and then. But it's not like anything is ever compromised on, right? We're kind of taught that that we can have it all, which also means we have to do it all. So, I I, I see that a lot with with my friends actually. I don't have a single friend in my entire network or community who who decided to be a stay-at-home mom and really be a stay-at-home mom and stay home. No one. So actually making that decision of, okay, I'm not going to work. I'm going to be here and focus on the family and my kids. I don't know anyone who does that. I also don't know anyone who's compromising their children, right? Who's compromising the home life and the family. So somehow it's like that comes first and that has a hundred percent of our attention, but our careers also have 100% of our attention since we're supposed to give 200% all the time to not let anything slip right? And then we have to take care of ourselves too, right? We have to focus on self-care and do all the yoga and then eat really healthy foods and feed our kids healthy foods too. And we got to work out and we got to be healthy. And then we got to have some hobbies or some fun on the side of that. Got to take care of our relationships. Got to take care of our pets, our dogs, our house, our garden, our car. I mean, (laughs) I'm getting dizzy just listing the things right now that that we have to take care of and that we have to do in a day. It's 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 kind of unrealistic. That's what it is. It's unrealistic to think that any single person can maintain this kind of this kind of schedule. The way all of us do it, right? All of us. We all do this, but it's kind of it's not realistic that we can you know, sustain this for a long period of time. It's not. Maybe we can do it for, for a couple of years, you know. Maybe you can even do it for like a decade. I don't know. We are going to get to a place where all of a sudden something falls apart, right? And what's going to fall apart? I think what's what's natural to us is we're going to, of course, you know, protect our children at all costs, at least that's kind of what I see as our our kind of natural thing. So if something has to fall or something has to go, you know, we don't want to lose our jobs. We want to continue working toward that goal in our career. We want to continue to grow. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you have a, a lot invested in what you do. Maybe you love your job. You know, of course, we have a lot invested in the work that we do every day. So we don't want to let that slip right and then our partners if we have one is super of course you know that's where everything started and the hierarchy of life this is something that I've that I've been taught pretty recently just through through therapy is what came first right and I find this really interesting especially in this conversation what came first for me and Dennis you know we do so much together we're we're a couple we've been together for a decade that's Crazy this year coming now. We're celebrating 10 years together. We're married. We have a house. We have all these pets and animals. We have a kid. Side note <laughs> we have a business. We have several businesses. We have several nonprofits. We have all this stuff. So, when it comes to prioritizing what's most important, like we have to look at the hierarchy of how, when things arrived or when they were created. And what came first is us, our relationship and our relationship has to trump everything else and this is something i'm i'm really working on now that that the relationship actually is more important than our daughter that the relationship actually has to get more energy and more work put into it than our business that we have to really glue ourselves together and work on that relationship, right? Because when that works, everything else flows easily. It's easy to take care of our daughter when we are a unit working together, right? So, so thinking about all of this, um, we're not gonna let our partners slip, right? That's, that's so, 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 so important, so valuable. So we look at all these areas and then when we, we're suddenly, we're running out of space, right? Something has to go and what do we let slip? Ourselves. And I see this again and again and again. It's like we have to compromise something. We are going to compromise our own well-being. We're going to compromise those things that actually nourishes us on a personal level because we're just taught to take care of everybody else. And I also think we're rewarded for that at a really young age. And we look out at the world and we care for other people, other beings, we get a lot of validation from doing that, from being carers and rescuers and fixers, from being nurturing and nourishing to other people, right? This mothering quality, you know, that we, I think, instill in children fairly young. So what goes? We go. That's what it is. That's what I've been doing to myself for a really long time. And... Uh, I think I've been doing it actually even before I became a mom, but then it was sort of okay because I had enough, I had enough tools, I had enough space and kind of bandwidth in my life that I could squeeze myself in, right? It It worked. And then all of a sudden I became a mom and now that bandwidth is just gone. Like I don't have that time anymore. I don't have that, that energy anymore. So the things that go are the things that personally nourish me and fill me up. I'm at the very bottom of the list or I have been at the very bottom of the, list, of the list. So this is what I see all the time. I see it with a lot of my friends. I hear it from you guys that that this is what it is. So of course we burn out, right? Of course we burn out. What if the moment something had to go, right? It's like, okay, I can't do all of these things perfectly anymore. Something has to slip. I have to lower my expectations in one of these areas, or I have to lower my input. I have to loosen the grip a little bit. Maybe I have to do a worse job in this area, right? What if the natural response wasn't that, okay, I'm gonna take shittier care of myself because I don't have time? And it, what if it was, okay, yeah, I'm gonna actually perform a little a little worse at work right now because that's that's the option that I have. Or I'm gonna actually have to give a little less attention to my friends this month because I'm just my plate is totally full and I, I have to continue to do what fills my cup. You know, what if those were our natural responses instead of us suffering at the end of the day because we all know when we suffer we can do that for a little while but after you know you accumulate enough time not taking care of yourself all those other areas that we're so busy protecting they start to slip because we won't function at our best anymore or better yet what if instead of one of these areas having to slip what if we didn't have this sort of pressure around perfection in the first place right? I kind of long to be a little more, a little more like my husband (laughs) every day. And (laughs) we talk about this a lot. Sometimes his sort of, how can I, how can I phrase this lovingly? Because I love the shit out of this man. I love him to death. I, I, okay, I can phrase it in this way. I have a really kind of obsessive attention to detail, Right. So if I'm doing something, I'll look at from, I'll look at it from A to Z and I want everything to fit perfectly. And then I, I spend a lot of time like getting it exactly right, whatever it is I'm doing. Where my husband, he might be doing the same thing and he doesn't overthink it. He just does it. And maybe it's, you know, not a hundred percent perfect at the end of it, but he's not losing sleep over that thing. He got it done. Right. So I kind of aspire to be a little more like that in a lot of areas of my life where I can approach something and just kind of shrug my shoulders a little bit and go yeah, that's okay right instead of this this kind of incessant need I have to to nail everything right to get everything a thousand percent perfect to to just to go all the way all the time. And now that I was was this sick with the flu coming out of the flu, looking at my life with that kind of with that kind of lens of just the lens of i don't have any energy at all like literally no energy at all what does that mean i have to cook dinner for my baby right i have no energy i'm so exhausted i can barely stand up and i'm kind of wobbling my way over to the fridge to open up all the drawers i'm like okay what vegetables do we have and i'm just like delirious you know with fever what kind of healthy meal can I make her and I'm just like oh, trying to piece some sort of recipe together in my brain of okay she needs protein and she needs fresh vegetables and she needs this and she needs that and then Dennis comes down and he just looks at me he's like what are you what are you doing I'm like well she needs to she needs to eat something healthy he's like dude there's mac and cheese in the pantry And he just grabs a box of of mac and cheese, cheese, (laughs) um, you know, puts it in in a pot on the stove and like, it's all good. Just go back to bed. And I'm just like, the relief of fuck it. Yeah, she can have a shitty meal once in a while. Like, actually, it's not the end of the world if she has mac and cheese for dinner, like three nights in a row. She the child will live like the child will totally live, you know. If she's, and I'm just thinking about that a lot right now, how all those little areas of whatever I'm doing in my life, I have that little inner critical voice in the back of my head going, hey, that's not good. Hey, that's not good enough. Actually, you know that, okay, so it's vegan mac and cheese. I know it's, (laughs) of course, it's vegan, but it's not healthy at all. Like the list of ingredients is just super, super long. And I have this idea in in my head that, that I have to get her diet right. I have to perfect it, right? She needs, she needs this perfect big meal every time. So that's what I do every time, even when I don't have time, <laughs> even when I'm busy, even when I'm overwhelmed, even when I'm not feeling great. I go to that 110% you know, all, all the time and there's no wiggle room there like what 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 kind of sadistic person lives their life that way and then i talk about this with people with with people in my life and yeah i'm not alone right there's that inner critical voice that goes yeah not good enough not good enough not good enough mom guilt is so fucking real i i just could pull my hair out right and here goes dennis like giving her mac and cheese and then i said you don't feel you don't feel guilty like that's not good, you know? Like she shouldn't be eating that. Like he's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "We're you're sick. We're tired. It's okay. Like cut yourself some slack." She always eats really nutritional food. Like let it go. Let it go. And I'm just like, "Okay, fine." And then I force myself to go back to the couch, but still that nagging voice of like it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It stays there. You are listening to the Yoga Girl podcast conversations from the heart. The trick to getting a lot done is to have really good help. No one can do everything by themselves. Life is just too busy. And for some reason, there's only 24 hours in a day. If you want to get on top of everything in your personal life, your job or your side hustle, look into Acuity Scheduling, a company from Squarespace. Acuity is a scheduling assistant that works 24-7 behind the scenes to fill your calendar and takes hours of work off of your plate. Say goodbye to the drudgery of logistics and hello to freeing up time for things that actually fuel you. Acuity lets clients quickly view your real-time availability, self-book their sessions, reschedule with a click, and even pay online. Book more clients, get paid on time, and automate and organize your day-to-day with the right tools on your utility belt. Acuity even helps you collect everything you need to know about your clients as soon as they book with intake forms, keeping all of their information neat and tidy in one place. Get your entire life in sync and have the peace of mind needed to keep you at your best with Acuity Scheduling save yourself from the day-to-day drudgery of having to keep up with your clients and your busy schedule by using acuity scheduling for a limited time only you can get 45 days of acuity scheduling absolutely free no credit card required by going to acuityscheduling.com yoga girl The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host Chris Gillabo also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. It's all interesting how this is becoming especially evident during this, this week of flu that I had. And it, it's kind of like all the lessons I've been learning this year just have accumulated and come to a high point just now where I can see them so clearly just from not having any energy to do anything. So another thing is, and it's kind of these ideas that that, that I think we should challenge, so for me, this, this belief that I have that is sometimes very limiting is my daughter should have healthy nutritional food all the time, right? That's this idea. It's this belief that I have. I don't judge anybody else for what they feed their kids, not at all. You know, I, I think I sometimes pretend to be a little more easygoing around food than I actually am, but that's a belief that I have. So even when, you know, everything else is falling apart, I will go the extra mile to make that happen for her, Right. And if I would challenge that belief of like, yeah, my goal is to have nutritional food and healthy food for her to the extent of my ability, right? Which means that there's going to be times where I can't. There's going to be times where I'm too tired. There's going to be times when I'm sick. There's going to be times when life happens and I can't make that happen. And I, you know, will feed her whatever's in the pantry and that's got to be okay. It has to be okay, (laughs) to ease up a little bit, to not get it perfect all the time. And I'm wondering if what what stresses me out is actually that thing that she's eating or if it's that nagging belief that no matter how hard I try, I'm not getting it right. No matter how hard I fight to make it work, I can't piece my life together. There's always something slipping. And that, that kind of internal stress of, you know, I'm killing myself in every area of my life. But regardless of how hard I try, there's always going to be something that isn't good enough. Like that's where the burnout begins. It doesn't begin in, you know, the hours of work that you're doing in a day. Of course, that's that, that adds to it. You know, the hours of rest we're not getting, of course, that makes, you know, everything much, much, much worse. But I really believe that that What leads to the actual burnout to the point of like, I can't anymore. It's not just the material things or how our life situation looks. It's that stressful, stressful, high pressure energy coming somewhere from deep within. It's that inner critical voice going, nope, you're not doing it right. Nope, that's not good enough. Yeah, got to work a little harder. Nope, that food isn't good enough. Another idea I have, and it's funny how this becomes especially prevalent, I think, around our kids, like mom guilt is an actual term for an actual reason, right? Another very limiting belief that I have, limiting belief, but this idea that I have, I guess, in my head that I try to get right all the time is that my daughter needs stimulating play all the time, right? So, you know, that this idea that that like watching movies or screens, screen time is bad. I have this idea in my head that that's bad. That's not nourishing her. It's not, you know, giving her anything. This idea that I have, I don't judge anybody else around their screen time. I I actually know that having a screen available can be a huge component of self-care if you're a single mom. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Put your kid in front of that screen, feed them mac and cheese and just be proud that you made it through this day. Seriously. And I really believe that I can be really supportive toward my friends in that area. But when it comes to myself, no way. I'm so not at all as loving and kind and compassionate to myself as I am to the other people in my life that I love. I'm not. So being sick now and I can kind of normally I'm the one who's playing with the baby, drawing, playing with Play-Doh, doing arts and crafts stuff. We're baking, we're cooking, we're in her room, we're going to the animal garden, we're walking the dogs, we're doing something, right? And now that I was sick, it's like, okay, because Dennis was in charge of playtime, he gets tired. Hey, let's, let's watch a movie together. And I can kind of sit there on the couch. I'm like, okay, like this is her second movie today. She's not sick. Dennis is not sick. I'm the one who's sick. And I can sense myself sitting there on the couch getting annoyed, right? And then I have to, in that moment, step out of that kind of internal conversation that I'm having with myself of why this moment isn't good enough. I don't know if anyone else feels... (laughs) can resonate with this but are you ever sitting on the couch doing nothing but in your mind you're very very busy very very busy maybe in your mind you're stressed out you're judging the moment is not good enough something has to change so I had a lot of that internal dialogue this week especially those moments on the couch and then after a while I'm just like hey Dennis and it comes out a little passive-aggressive obviously like hey um don't you want to like go go play outside or go swim in the pool or or do something and he, he looks at me he says why and, and I'm like well I th- isn't it I think it's it would be good for her to get out like it would be good for her to get out of the house a little bit he says no I think it's nice for us to be out to be inside and I'm, I'm a little tired and then he just goes back to watching the movie and I'm just of course like getting more and more stressed out of like hey but come on can you can you just like you know you guys could go water the plants or or do something fun go outside and he's like what is this obsession with going outside it's 100 degrees outside like we live in aruba what is it i'm like no i just i just want her to do something like good and fun he says oh watching a christmas family with your family isn't good and fun and it just stopped me in my tracks and i'm like hmm okay, here we are, you know, it's Christmas time, (laughs) sitting on the couch, like drinking tea, watching a Christmas movie, and I am in my mind stressing out about all the things that could be happening that aren't happening. Even in that moment of being really sick, it's like that inner critic is just like, not good enough, not good enough. Get off your butt, stand up, go do something. That thought go do something, go do something, go do something. That is the burnout energy. It comes from that place. And I can see this voice or hear this voice, of course, in every area of my life, but it's almost like around my daughter, it becomes extra loud. And in the moments when I find myself either trying to slow down or being forced to slow down like this fluted, it becomes extra clear how loud that voice is. Because when I'm moving, when I'm doing, it's almost like I can drown that voice out a little more. I'm on the go, so the voice is on the go too. And it's just, we merge into one busy being, right? And when I find myself in those moments of slowing down, of being still, suddenly I can catch it and it gets really clear and it feels really loud, that voice. So it's been so interesting this week to just sit there, <laughs> to just watch that voice, to let Leia Luna eat mac and cheese every day, to watch endless amounts of movies on the couch, to not do anything, and to just, just be still. <laughs> it becomes so clear how absurd... My ego is, how absurd and wild and crazy this personality of mine is. And what I would love to do just as I'm in this personal journey myself is to inquire for you into your own space. When does that voice become extra loud for you in your life? Which area of life do you feel like this inner critical voice has the most space? or When does it get the most, the loudest? When does it get the craziest And does it maybe run your life? <laughs> to me this is such an interesting interesting thing to ask. does it maybe run your life? And I, I'm of course also in therapy right now and I'm I'm realizing that it's kind of like all roads lead to Rome <laughs> all big big personality and big life and emotional questions that I have they all kind of lead back to this, to the same place, this doing, this constant doing, this constant feeling like I have to do more, constant feeling like I can't be still, constant feeling like I should be more successful, I should perform better, I should work harder. And especially for someone whose intention for this year, this year my intention was, I wanted to embrace my inner wild woman and I wanted to find calm. And that calm piece, it's almost been like a it's like a almost like a joke. Like, oh, like this, this is this interesting. Let's let's throw that intention out there <laughs> and see what kind of life pondering comes along with that. Because it's so far from my actual nature, you know, it's not in my nature to be calm. Thank God I found yoga and meditation when I was 17, 18, because without that. I I can't, I can't even, I could just start laughing right now because without yoga, where would I be? Jesus Christ, the fact that I've had this as a, as my core, most important tool and a daily tool. I mean, it's, I think I can super clearly, it's really safe to say that yoga saved my life. Oh my God. I don't know where I would be without it. And still, you know, there's not enough yoga in the world. For me to actually completely quiet that voice inside. And when it gets really interesting, I think for all of us is not just, you know, recognizing this voice, getting clear with this voice being here, but inquiring into where does this voice come from, right? At some point in our lives, most likely our early childhood, this idea that we have to work all the time, this idea that we can't be still, it came from somewhere. And I think the key to actually ridding ourselves of that voice or the key to actually learning the meaning of slowing down, learning how to incorporate real rest, right? Because real rest, it's not just taking more naps or going to more yoga classes or taking a bath once a week. No, real rest is changing that mindset, real rest is getting to the root of why that inner voice is there in the first place. What happened when we were little that created this, th- this type of life? That's interesting. That's really, 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 really interesting. And I think especially now, so this is the week of Christmas where it kind of peak holiday season right now holidays for so many of us are times of joy times of just magic embracing that holiday spirit so much fun so many joyful things happening around Christmas I am a massive Christmas fan Christmas is life but it's also a time spent around family for many of us not for all of us but for many of us time spent around family which I think can be really challenging especially if it's family you don't see all the time right it can be a really challenging time too because no matter how much work we have done on ourselves no matter how much therapy we've been to or how many healing retreats or personal development or how much you meditate right it's like put put you back in that family constellation and suddenly you're five years old again and the things that used to trigger us they still do right? Perhaps you can be more clear and more present with your triggers, but it's still hard. It's like when we're with our parents, we're still kids, right? We're always and forever going to be their kids. When we're in those constellations of, 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 of our old family or of our core family, the things that are challenging to us in our day-to-day lives, of course, they become heightened and maximized and everything can get sort of just dug up again, right? Who feels that way? around the holidays, or any time spent with family, like, man, I feel like, sometimes I feel like a child. And it's so hard, but it's also so amazing, because having the opportunity to be put back in that family constellation, it's also a key, right? It's, it's the opportunity to change something now that we couldn't change then. You know, if you have that, that one family member that tells you things that just brings you down all the time you have someone who's, who's arrogant or someone who's downright mean or, you know, maybe thinly veiled insults, kind of the way family does sometimes. Maybe when you were little, you couldn't say anything, right? It wasn't appropriate or you didn't feel like you had the power to stand up and say what you felt and, hey, I don't like it when you say those things to me. Hey, I don't like that. Stop that, please. You know, and now as adults, we do have the ability to do that. We do have the power to do that, but it can feel like we're still in that same role as a child, right? It can feel as daunting now as it did then. You are listening to The Yoga Girl Podcast, conversations from the heart. I'm gonna let you in on a strange and wonderful anomaly that's been happening lately in my house. My wonderful husband has turned into an actual baking machine. I keep asking, who is this strange man in my house and what have you done to my husband? Don't get me wrong, I actually love it. The treats he's been making, he's baking for the first time in his life, they are delicious. He recently made a decadent vegan chocolate cake. I asked him to share his now famous recipe and here's what he said. He used cocoa powder, white sugar, baking soda, salt, almond milk, vanilla extract, extra virgin olive oil, apple cider vinegar, one flax egg, and Bob's Red Mill's gluten-free all-purpose flour, of course. For the frosting, it was really easy. Just powdered sugar, cocoa powder, vegan butter, vanilla extract, and a dash of almond milk. Let me tell you, this cake was just delicious and exactly what I needed to get through the brutal flu I was fighting last week. You just have to try this for yourself maybe baking is calling you during this holiday season too. If it is, make sure you stock up with great products offered by Bob's Red Mill. You'll get organic, minimally processed deliciousness for the whole family. Head over to bobsredmill.com slash yogagirl to check out their awesome products and recipes and enter for a chance to win some really fun Bob's Red Mill goodies. One winner will be selected by random selection each month. So I think... All of these inquiries, especially if you're on the path really toward finding some sort of peace within yourself, it becomes extra interesting around the holidays and extra interesting when we are with our families. So a really great way to go about it is first identify the patterns that you have that you know you slip right back into whenever you're around family, or maybe not even when you're around them, maybe it's just patterns that you have all the time every day. For me, for instance, to give an example, I have, of course, as you guys know, a very beautiful, very, very intense, very close and extremely challenging relationship with my mom. And I've, I've spoken about that on this podcast a lot, but coming from our past of having a lot of trauma happened in my childhood, a lot of people who died and passed away, a lot of separation, divorce, my mom trying to commit suicide when I was little, all of these very, very, very hard things that played out when I was little. Now our realities are totally different, right? Those things aren't true anymore or those things aren't playing out anymore at the very least. I am not in the midst of trauma right now. I am not, you know, helping my mom through depression or suicide right now. You know, she's doing great. She's happy. She's fine. She's a great grandma. You know, we've kind of rebuilt a a really beautiful platform to stand on there through grandmotherhood and through my daughter. But the reality of of all of those situations and the emotional components that came along with them, they're still very much alive. And this, I think, is is the biggest struggle when it comes to our families and when it comes to maybe those kind of toxic things that could have played out in in our childhoods or that did play out in these relationships then, that maybe led to that inner critical voice inside of you being so loud when those things actually are still true today, even though the relationship looks differently. Am I making sense? So say you had a a really, you know, strange, okay, I can give my, my relationship with my mom, I think is a really great example. So growing up, and this is something that I've been, that's just clicking with me this week so much is growing up with a mother that's always sad that's always crying, that's always extremely sensitive, extremely emotional, that at times doesn't want to live, that at times tries to take her own life. From a really young age growing up with that, it instilled with me a certain kind of stress, right? And the stress was when I was really little was that one, I didn't know why she was so sad. And I automatically assumed that it had something to do with me. And that's how how kind of our, our world worldview is when we're little, when we're really little, especially, is that, you know, our parents, our mother especially, but our mother and father, they're everything, right? Our parents are everything. It's our whole life. It's our whole relationship. To our whole relationship to the world is really the relationship we have with our parents. And when hard things happen, we have no other way of processing that when we're really little than to assume in that limiting worldview that it has to be because of me, right? Or we haven't developed enough yet, we're not mature enough yet that we can actually see the full, you know, objectively see the full scope of that situation. We're too young, right? So when I was little, I used to think that it was my fault that my mom was sad. And thinking it was my fault, one came with guilt, like I'd done something wrong, but I could never really pinpoint what that thing was. It was just a feeling I had all the time of maybe I could have done it differently that day, right? If I hadn't like pushed my brother at breakfast, then maybe she wouldn't have gotten sad later. Or, you know, if I did better in school, if I had better grades, or if I just was like a little more perfect and did things a little more perfectly all the time, then maybe she would be happier, right? Maybe I shouldn't make such a fuss. Maybe I shouldn't make a mess. Maybe I should, maybe I should, maybe I should. And I had this, and they were very real, right? These feelings when I was, when I was little, very, very, very real. And I never had any support from any outside person to move through them or even to kind of verbalize them or to speak them out loud it was just all very internal that it's my fault that she's sad and it's my job to make her happy so already then you know at like four or five years old I had this this big 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 feeling of stress already instilled in my system of it's not safe to be here I don't know if she's gonna leave at any time it's not safe to be at home you know I didn't feel it didn't feel like a safe space where I could relax where I could be myself you know, And then that, that constant stress of, is she going to leave? Is she going to die? Is she going to be sad? Is she going to be happy? And it became this certain kind of stress that I realized even as I grew older, the stress was almost worse when she was happy. And that's a weird one, <laughs> one that, I, that I dealt with a lot in my in my later teens that actually it's more familiar or it was then more familiar to relate with my mom when she was really sad because that's what I knew when she wasn't well. And then when she was happy it was like, wait, what's going on? Something's wrong. Right? It felt like something was wrong when she was happy. Because I was always waiting for some sort of crash or for something bad to happen. So there is this big, big, big you know, stress already there, right? It's been there my whole life. And then as I as I grew older and I grew out of that sort of component or that relationship and my worldview grew bigger and bigger and bigger, I've translated that stress into other other parts of my life. That feeling of not being good enough, like I couldn't make her happy, so I'm not good enough, or that feeling of it's my fault, it's on me, it's on my shoulders, it's my job. It's it's just carried me through the rest of my life, that feeling. And now that feeling relates to other things, right? It relates to my job, it relates to how I perform, it relates to perfection, it relates to the things I create in this world, it relates to the pressure I put on myself. And then of course, it comes back in my own role as a mother now to my own daughter of I have to get this shit right. It's all on me, you know, it's all on me, all this pressure is on my shoulders. And the feeling of like, I don't know if it's safe to be here, I don't know if it's if it's safe to be here in this world, right? So of course, just listening to to myself sharing this with you, this is so complex, right? I don't know who else resonates, you know, especially when it comes to our parents. We all have something there. Even for, you know, the people out there who are blessed with really easy, beautiful childhoods, you also have something. And that's the thing. We There's no such thing as a perfect childhood. There's no such thing. My teacher in, in in trauma healing, Shuba, she was sharing, we were talking the other day about trying to get this thing right, right? Trying to get parenting right, especially doing in this line of work. And she shared a, a story of how just the other day they, they were at the beach here in Aruba and then her son, who's four hours older than Lea Luna... He was running ahead of her on the beach and she was just kind of keeping an eye and not running, but staying fairly close behind. And then he was running, 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 running. And then suddenly he he thought he got lost. He wasn't. She was right there, but he couldn't see her anymore. And before she could get to him, she saw in his eyes this realization of, I lost my mom. Like he really felt like she was gone. I lost her. I ran too far. I ran too fast. He, she's gone. And he crumbled, right? Crumbled to the floor, just completely bawling, crying in this, you know, completely absorbed and swept up with this feeling of abandonment of, 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 I'm lost, right? And now he wasn't lost. She was there, but it took her 30 seconds to get to him so she could swoop him up. And she was sharing with me and she was saying, you know what, like in that moment, I just realized there's no such thing. There's no way to do this perfectly. If there's no way, you know, no matter how hard we try, our kids are going to get the wounds that they're going to get. The that's and, and that's how they learn free will also is having something to work with and then choosing to, to work through that or work toward that. But it was such a such a big realization for me also in terms of, okay, I can try and try and try and try and especially with that inner voice I have of get it right, do it better. You know, even then, I'm not going to succeed. We are all going to fuck up the way our parents also fucked up. And even in the most fucked up of childhoods, right, our parents tried their very best and we got what we got and we are where we are, right? So we have to choose now what we do with what we have. Another thing Shubha said the other day was, we are not what happened to us, but we are how we choose to respond, right? We are not what happened to us. What's done is done. What's happened has happened. We are where we are, but we are how we choose to respond. So what we have now, it's like all of these wounds, this pain, this inner stress, this feeling of unsettledness, of of not feeling safe, you know, all of that now it's mine. And I got to do what I got to do with that. And I can choose to let those things unconsciously play out in my life and affect my life immensely, right? Like have that inner stress rule my whole world. Or I can look at it, right? I can become aware of those patterns that I have of, hey, I have a 104 degree fever now. I'm lying on the couch and I'm so stressed out. (laughs) I am unable to relax, even in the hardest moment of being this sick, I still feel stressed that I'm not doing enough. And then the moment I can relate that feeling like, ah, of course I feel like I'm not doing enough because I grew up with the feeling of not doing enough, trying to save my mother's life. The moment I, I bring my awareness to that and I connect those two things of, okay, this stress, it's not real in this moment, right? It's not here because of what's happening in my life in this moment. It's not because we're watching the Grinch on the couch and because my husband should be outside with my daughter. No, this stress is here because it's been here my whole life, right? And it relates to my childhood. And it was, it was absolutely valid. It was very, very, very real. And maybe at some time that stress even served me, right? Maybe I even helped her then. It was purposeful at one point. It was really real, absolutely valid. But it's not related to what's playing out in my life here now. And the moment I make that connection, it's like I can just oh, I can just take a breath. And I can choose differently. I can choose to stay on the couch with my family. I can choose to slow things down a little bit. I can get some perspective around this idea that I have that everything has to be perfect all the time. And I can cut myself some slack. And especially now, you know, if you are spending time with your family during the holidays, I would love to invite you to get extra present with how you feel around your family this Christmas. What's triggering you now? what feels hard when do you feel sad when do you do you feel suddenly seemingly out of the blue do you feel suddenly sad or suddenly angry or frustrated and you don't know why nothing really felt like it shifted but suddenly it's there that feeling hold that be present with that maybe even talk about that doesn't have to be with that family member that's challenging you but talk about it with someone just to voice that hey when I spend time with my family, oh, I suddenly I feel stressed all the time. I feel so stressed or I feel judged or I, feel, I don't feel safe here or whatever that is. Talk about it. Find someone, that person that you know you feel safe with. If it's your partner, your spouse, your someone, a friend, just so you can get a little clearer around those triggers and how they relate to that relationship and how still those old things, are still playing out right now and you do have the chance to do something with that. Like I'm working with this now every single day, catching that voice in the moment and then acting differently, right? Feeling inside of me that feeling of go, 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 of having to do, 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 and just holding that. Sometimes I don't even have to change it. I can just step out of it for a moment and just, oh, look at that, here's that feeling again. Like I have to do more, hmm, okay let's look at that, let's sit with that, let it be a little bit, just that little bit of space around that feeling, the awareness around what comes our way, it's just like you're you're giving yourself a moment before you react, right, so actually it's not reaction all the time, but it's action, and it stems from what's playing out here now, and it's, instead of being just this old pattern that we were reliving or recreating in our lives again and again and again and again and again. So I, I feel excited around this Christmas (laughs) right now. I really do. I feel excited around healing these old wounds. I feel happy, actually. (laughs) Strangely enough, I feel happy holding all of this old pain because it makes me feel like I can do something, right? It makes me feel like I have I have purpose there. There's work to do and I can do it. It's not, you know, this strange thing that I don't know how to deal with, which is what this whole year felt like. But now it's getting very clear. It's palpable. I can touch it. I can feel it. And then at the same time, of course, sustaining the relationships that I have in my life that means so much to me, like my relationship with my mom, you know, knowing that if I, I work on all those old things, it's only going to improve our relationship now because that relationship is going to be real from this moment. It's not going to be something just repeated from something really, really old, but it's going to be pure with the love that's here now. And the same goes for you and your family, doing that work of the old while holding what's here, the new. You can do it. Trust me when I say you can do it. You can heal those old wounds. You can. The fact that you're listening to these words right now, resonating, feeling something like, oh, yeah. And you know what? This Christmas time is a really good time to... It's a good time to start giving yourself what you need to feel good, right? Whether that is slowing down, whether that's giving yourself some time just for yourself, maybe drawing some boundaries this holidays, yeah? Maybe some boundaries just in terms of what's okay for you, what's not okay. How do you want this Christmas to be? Because this is your life, right? Actually, it's your Christmas, your life, your week. What do you want? this christmas give yourself the gift of the kind of holiday spirit that you want in your life it's yours you own it i love you and you are so held and so loved and so supported on this journey trust me when i say you are so supported on this journey you are not alone we're all doing this work together which i find so unbelievably cool and amazing So from my heart to yours, wishing you a beautiful, healing, calm, happy Christmas and a week filled with celebrations and good foods and yummy time spent with the people that you love. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this show today. I'll be back next week with some really great ways to close 2019. We're going to set big, beautiful intentions for 2020. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you normally get your shows. Of course, don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks to my sponsors, TransferWise, Acuity Scheduling, and Bob's Red Mill. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.